This is called Joel Dream Lover. It is about the dreams of a woman named Joel. It's 4 a.m. and I'm chewing drill, which is what I started calling Benadryl three days ago when I started chewing drill. Three days ago I started chewing drill because I rented Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from Redbox. And brother, I have been goosed ever since. Haven't slept a wink since Pitt did his shit. Or should I say wank? The coffee table is covered in jars that used to be used for marinara sauce. Each jar has three sips of milk in it, because when I finish a jar of marinara sauce, I clean it out for to drink milk. Also on the coffee table is some chopped up last resort, which is what I've been calling Xanax since I was a teenage girl. They say that comparison is the thief of joy. I say it's Xanax. A shard of drill gets caught in my throat. It's poking in and out like a bad lover. I grab a jar of milk to wash her down, but I grab an inactive jar and the milk is sour like a bad lover. The drill's still doing its dance. I start to see colors I'm not familiar with. Something rumblies in my tumblies, and I remember that one time my brother told me you shit yourself when you're about to die. So I let it rip in my sweats. I don't know if this is the beginning of a dream or the end of Joel, but if there's going to be a pig coming to collect my body or a reaper coming for something deeper, I want to make sure he sees the only shit that I ever gave. Now it is 4 p.m. and I'm a teenage girl. I'm standing on a street that I know well. It's Washington Street in Hoboken, New Jersey. So if I am not dreaming, I am in hell. As I walk through the crowd, I see everyone has a face which I recognize. But it's not sentimental like in Cheers, where a community rallies around the healing power of drinking. Everyone on this street has the same exact face. The face is stunned and cruel. The eyes of the face sink backwards into the skull. It is the face of somebody hopelessly lost. At first I think this is my mama's face because I am a teenage girl and I believe that my mama is hopelessly lost. But then I realize that the face belongs to me. But it's me old. It's the face that I see every day reflected back at me from so many jars of milk. I say, fucked up. But before I get the feels for reals, my brother Joel appears and leads me down the street by hand, which is wild because Joel and I are not brothers and sisters who touch hands. I say, where are you taking me? Joel says, women are always talking. Rots your fucking brain. See what I mean? He leads me to the Slice of Life, which is the worst restaurant in town, and the only restaurant in this country where you can get a slice of pizza that is bigger than a baby. When you walk in, there are three pictures on the wall. The first picture is of a baby lying next to a slice of pizza, which is bigger than the baby. The second is of Frank Sinatra and Mia Farrow. In the corner of the photograph, there is a forgery of his autograph. The third is a picture of Benny Slizecki. Benny Slizecki is a man who is the manager of a pizza parlor who is also his own god. 
Once I thought Benny was interesting, but then he whispered to me that the only thing bigger than his pizza was his sausage. And by his sausage, he meant his Polish dick. And by saying it was bigger than his pizza, he meant that his fat Polish dick was bigger than a baby. And at hearing that, I realized for the first time that I would one day experience the agony of childbirth. I didn't in the end. No thanks to Benny. When we go inside, Benny is not there, which is strange, because if two things are certain in this fucked up and dick down world, they are as follows. One, Benny was always behind the counter of the slice of life. And two, Benny always had stains round his nips, which hung on his black button-down shirt like Lucifer's halo. Benny was born in Hoboken, New Jersey 47 years ago, and has never left. If you asked him why not, He'd say, what for? Because he was an incurious man and he loved to prove it to you. But Benny's not here. The slice of life, much like the streets of hell or Hoboken, is populated only by me as an older woman who I keep thinking may really be my mama. Joel releases my hand and runs upstairs to Benny's secret office, which is strange because nobody knows about Benny's secret office except for Benny and the slices. The Slices were the waitresses at the Slice of Life. The name was created affectionately by the restaurant's patrons, but championed ruthlessly by its owner, Benny. The Slices are 17-year-old girls, and it is an old joke that Benny fires the Slices on their 18th birthday as a coming-of-age present, but this is not accurate. Most girls quit within the year. I hear a voice. The voice is hella stern and full of concern. You're frowning, the voice says, and the voice sounds like my mama's voice, but it is coming from one of the old Joels who's dressed up like a waitress, which is kind of fun, like something Bugs Bunny might do, but also scarier than shit. From the kitchen, I hear my mother's voice coming from an old Joel with a big handlebar mustache who's dressed up as a racial caricature of an Italian chef. She continues the waitress's thought, saying, Frowning leads to wrinkles. Wrinkles leave you old and alone. I start to feel a tight pinch in my chest, and I remember how one time my mama told me that when she's having her panic attacks, sometimes they feel like heart attacks. I go to a dark place in my head, which is also something my mother told me. I'm on the brink of throwing a stink. Once more, I begin to wonder if I'm dreaming or in hell, or if I had been dreaming but was now en route to hell, or if I had been in hell for my entire life, and this was the moment when the devil was going to step out and yell, Suck it! I decide that I won't give him the satisfaction. I throw a stink. I pull the picture of Benny Slezecki and the baby and the pizza off the wall. I start smashing them over each other on the counter, which Benny Slezecki is always standing behind. I pick up a shard of glass, and I eye the shard stupid hard. I think about sliding it through my eye. But I don't do it, because I'm not sure whether there's nothing after this, or a devil most pissed. And I want to be able to look someone in the eye and tell him I never saw the point. Then I hear a new voice. The voice is unsullied like the first breath of a baby rabbit. Don't do it, I hear the voice say from behind the counter, and again the voice sounds like the bells of a mosque in heaven. I turn to the counter, and it's him. 
the Caps. He looks like the Caps in Romeo Plus, but he's acting like the Caps in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mixed with how he is in interviews. We eye each other stupid hard. I say to him, I wish that I could swallow you. And suddenly, we're sitting at a table and DeCaps is wearing the suit from that scene in Tannic where DeCaps wears a suit. An old Joel busboy brings out a bowl of rolls for us to share. I say, rolls are my favorite. And DeCaps says, my favorite role was Howard Hughes. Because DeCaps is one word-playing motherfuck. I say, if I could have dinner with anyone alive or dead, it would be you. DeCaps says, yes it would. I say, I'll drool on your jewels later if you want it. DeCaps smiles and says, later. Then he orders for both of us. Two brick ovens with Italian sausage and a bottle of wine from the year I was born. I take his hand and say, I'm so wet, I could drown you. The Caps laughs and I see paradise. I say, I'm asking a question and you're gonna forget it if I regret it. The Caps leans forward. I say, why didn't you man up and marry Winslet? The Caps laughs. <laughs> We're good friends in real life. I know it, I say. I was 14 when Tannic dropped. That's damn near all I know. I know you called her the kiss of your life on Oprah in 2004. I know she cried when you won the Oscar for that movie where the bear fucks you out your ass. And I know that she would have traded all her statues to be that bear for 10 seconds. What I don't know is how you don't man up and hitch that bitch. The thoughts in DeCap's head spin like wine in DeCap's glass, which rolls like the cresting waves of the California beaches which he grew up on, which is nutty to me, because all the wine which I've ever bought for myself leaves so much sugar on the glass, you'd have thought it fell in the sand. Maybe she's not my type, he says finally. I snort. So what's your type then? DeCap says, Maybe, and then he takes a dramatic pause because even now he is acting. He takes my hands in his again for dramatic effect and I notice that there is a bracelet on my wrist because I am a teenage girl. The bracelet is a gift from Benny Slizeki. He gave it to me in his secret office because the bracelet was a secret and he told me that it was a gift and that I was the only slice to ever stay at the slice of life for over a year and his brother was there and his brother joked that the real gift was being the Slozeki brothers' main slice. Eventually my mama found it and I told her that it was a best friend's gift from Sarah Salvetti but then my mama called Sarah Salvetti's mama because she thought we were gay together and Sarah told everyone that we weren't even friends. Sarah was actually a huge bitch. Suddenly I feel something wet on my hands. It's the caps. He has punctuated his dramatic pause by kissing my hand like he did in Tannic and Romeo Plus and probably other movies. And I remember how he said maybe before his dramatic pause and at last he completes his thought saying, my type is you. The air in the room turns red. 
All the world spins like the wine in the cap's glass. I cannot breathe and do not want to. Suddenly, everything in my stomach sprays out in a flood like last month's blood. <laughs> now I am a woman again. The coffee table, which was covered in empty jars of marinara, is now also covered in vomit, which is off-white like an active milk. In the thick of the sick, I see the little shard of drill, which showed me heaven, then dragged me out of it like a bad lover. I weep like a creep. I pick up the shard of drill and swallow it, begging it to take me back to Leo the Caps. It goes down smooth and I throw a stink. I smash my marinara jars with milk in them, which I should have already done because I have too many marinara jars with milk in them. I smash my clock, which I should have already done because clocks only tell you what you already know. Time is passing. There is no going back. I lift up my flat screen and smash it hard against the coffee table, which had to be done, because as soon as my stink starts to shrink and my shit is unflipped, two things are for certain. I am going to think about Benny Slezecki with his nips and stains and his slices and his Polish sausage. And I am going to rent Once Upon a Time in Hollywood from Redbox. And I can't do that. I can't stare through the looking glass now I've been to Wonderland. I look at the ground. It is covered in shards of glass. I pick up a shard and I it's stupid hard. But in its reflection, I see the coffee table. And I see it there, waiting for Mama, the thief of joy, the last resort, chopped up Xanax. I shove it up my nose like it was DeCap's own hose. I sniff and I drift. Oh yes, now I am a teenage girl. (laughs) ¶¶